The light has come and the light is coming. And the light will always continue to come. Amen. Amen. You guys, um, man, you gave uh, worship your all. You have anything left to give to the message? Okay. You understand that a preacher is, is only as good as the listener. That's true. So whenever you say, oh, that was a bad preacher, I know the truth. Anyway, um, where, where are my notes? We are in the final part of Advent. The light is coming. In first service, it was so funny. I was in worship, and they were singing all of these songs about hope and in the waiting and patience and all of that. And I was like, I, I came this close to turning to my wife to Carrie and saying, oh my God, you're going to be blown away when you hear just how tied together these songs are with my sermon. But I didn't tell her that. And then I'm, I'm coming up, getting ready backstage. And I hear the presenter say, today, pastor's going to talk about in the waiting. And I'm like, how did she know? God, you're so good. And then I realized I told them months ago that was... I mean, God is still good, but that was kind of anticlimactic. So I want to take you to Luke chapter two, verse 21. I was reading Luke chapter two the other day about the birth of Jesus when I started preparation um, for this sermon in particular. So I, I thought, you know, let's start Christmas season. Let's go to Luke 2, you know, Christmas Eve or Christmas morning. You're with your family and you're like, I want to tell the story of the birth of Jesus. Where do I go? Go to Luke chapter 2. And I went to Luke chapter 2, hoping to get inspired. And I was inspired by the oddest verse. It was verse 21. Verse 21. And it says, on the eighth day... When it was time to circumcise the child, he was named Jesus. The name the angel had given him before he was conceived. That's the verse that leapt off the page at me. If you're ever reading the Bible and you have this sense that you're very curious about something or it catches your attention, even if you don't know why, that is the Holy Spirit breathing life into the pages of the Bible. And that's his way for you to dig a little deeper. And that's what happened to me. And I was like, okay, God, number one, I'm not on Christmas talking about circumcision. <laughs> he said, uh, don't worry, that's not what I'm getting after. He was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he was conceived. You mean to tell me that they knew the name was Jesus months before, months before. Uh, well, we know at least nine months before, but likely even before that, before he was conceived. And they had to go all that time knowing the name of the baby, yet they could not name the baby until eight days after it was born. That's a curious wait to know the name, but not be able to write the name tag. And I wondered today, how many of us are in the waiting? We sense this stirring and this brewing and this thing that the Lord has fashioned and formed for us in the womb of waiting, yet we can't yet write the name tag because that thing has not been delivered. 
Amazon Prime is delayed. Amazing, right? We're in the waiting. I can't wait to talk to you today about patience and about hope this Christmas season. Father, in Jesus' name. God, I just sense your presence settling in this place. That you have prepared our bodies for physical healing, our spirits to encounter you in a very tangible way during the worship. But God, I sense that you're pulling out the scalpel, that you want to do heart surgery in many of us in the room. Many of us that have tried to force our way, push our way, make things happen, have been discontent and disheartened because life is not going the way that we think that it should. God, we have lost all hope. We've been even trying to pray for hope, and it seems like we can't even have the wherewithal to pray for hope. And God, your word is true that when hope is deferred, the heart gets sick. God, let there be any sick among us in this room be raised from the dead to life in your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. We have so many, so many beautiful people all in one service, one room. I want you to spend a couple seconds, high five somebody, meet somebody new, and then you may be seated. If any of you are still looking for gifts, I'll just put a plug in for Barnes and Nobles. I think um, that's, I saw half the church there this week. I ran in, I, I ran into Ashley. We, I was standing right in line behind Ashley. Um, which is funny because I, when I got home and told Carrie, I was like, oh, I saw Ashley in line today. She goes, did you ever reply to her question about getting a devotional and stuff for Tom? And I said, oh, I forgot. And she was like, so God had to literally put you in line at Barnes and Nobles behind <laughs> Ashley because you would not text back. And I'm like, Hey, he knows me. Anyway, and then so I'm leaving and I see Ashley and then I walk out and I'm seeing Frankie and I'm like, oh, I don't know. We just should set up church and take an offering in Barnes and Nobles. But this week, uh, this week, Addison came to us. You know, you guys know I have five kids. Two of them are married, which means I have seven kids to buy for for Christmas. And this week, Addison came to me and she said, hey, dad uh, and mom. I want to show you the gift that I got for you. I got it. Do you want to see it? Do you want to see it? And we're like, no, we don't want to see it. It's not Christmas. We need to wait till Christmas. And she was like, I just want to show you. Now, Addison is a gifts person. Addison is a gifts person. So if she gives you a gift, that means she loves you. And if you love her, she expects you <laughs> to bring a gift any day, not just Christmas, not just her birthday, any day. So if you just happen to bring her a candy bar or what are the, the chips, her hot fries, uh, I mean, it, it changes, it goes in and out. She can't have that now. Right, right, mom. She can't have that. Uh, so, hmm, what am I going to get her now? You bring her something and she loves it. So for her to give you a gift, it means the world to her. And so she, we say no and she walks away. And she comes back five minutes later and she's like, are y'all sure? I have it. It's here. It's, it's not wrapped. I, I, I want to show you. And Carrie says, oh, okay. I guess it's okay. You can, you can bring them over. 
And so she walks over and she brings the gift and she shows it to us. And, you know, it's a great gift, of course. She, because she's a gift giver, she gives good gifts. But I just wanted to say to her, just be patient. Like Christmas is just one week away. Now, I am getting more mature, right? So I can think those things. Probably a year ago, I would have already known all of my gifts because I was searching the house whenever the kids and wife was not home. But it's time for me to grow up. I'm going to be a grandpa soon. So I wanted to say to Addison, hey, slow down, be patient, be patient. Let these days of you being excited about the gift you're going to give us fuel excitement and energy inside of you, because that's also part of the fun of giving a gift is you knowing every time you see me, I can't wait till you open this gift. Like, for example, I bought my wife gifts for Christmas that I can't wait to use. <laughs> and every time I think about her opening them on Christmas Day, I just can't wait to use it. In fact, I've already read the manual on it. I know how to use it. And so it's part of the fun for me. Like all of these days since I've had that gift, the waiting is actually part of the journey. So we have to be careful that we don't want to just get to the big reveal because we can't wait. We're excited. Now, in Addison's case, okay, that's fine. But I'm talking about bigger life issues here. I'm talking about, I just, I have to know the person I'm going to marry. So I'm going to marry. She said yes. Right? You guys don't get that analogy? Was that too complicated for you? Or do you not know anyone that's done that? So desperate for a relationship that they jump in and they say yes, and they shouldn't. So desperate to, to get an education or to make their name look good that they cheat. So, so desperate to not lose your job that you cover your irresponsibility with a lie and you blame it on a sick spouse or child who wasn't sick. Do you know what I mean? We're waiting for the, the end thing, and to get there, we, we will get there at all cost because, because that is the win. When Jesus came to this earth, he brought hope into the world. Hope, hope. Hope is, you know, evidence of things hoped for, right? We, we want it, we just don't see it yet. We have hope. Jesus came to give us hope because he knew that there would be seasons and times where we want something, yet we're not there yet. It's not in every little situation, Luis, that we can do Amazon Prime or FedEx overnight. Sometimes we have to wait. To, to, the, to the family who's praying for a baby and praying for a baby and praying for a baby and they finally conceive and they've got a very long, long nine months to wait praying that the baby actually makes the nine months and on pins and needles and what is this going to do to our family and we can't wait, we just want to hold you. You don't want to hold that baby at conception. Because at conception... Though it is a baby, according to God, 
it doesn't look like the nine-month-old baby that comes out of the womb that you can hold and coos and cuddles and you can feed and that pees on you, right? Jesus came to bring us hope. And what a beautiful gift that was because we've needed it. I know that I have. Those moments where I wanted desperately to change, yet I slipped back into the old patterns. Those moments where I wanted desperately to my, for my loved one to come to know Jesus, I wanted it right then. Those, those moments where I so wanted someone to be healed of something and I was contending and walking in faith and I was praying. And that process of waiting was a challenge. But thank God for hope. Some of us need to understand that hope is still alive. You know why? Because hope isn't about a situation. Hope isn't even an emotion. Hope is a person, and his name is Jesus. I want to take you to Isaiah chapter 11, verses 1. I'm just going to read verse 1. It's a very unlikely piece of text for Christmas, but I'm going to take you there. And it says, A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. Now, this is a hope-filled promise from a prophet to a people who had been cut down and reduced to almost nothing. And I've heard someone say before, when you're down to nothing, God is up to something. Could it be that this eagle-eyed prophet saw 700 years prior to the birth of Jesus that there was something coming that would provide hope to all of mankind for all generations? Could it be that he was letting Israel know the stump has been cut down, you've been reduced to nothing, but let me just tell you, there's a root growing from that stump and there's a shoot going over and out of that shoot will come a branch that produces fruit again. In the waiting, in the process of waiting, there is hope. The Apostle Paul, he wants to talk about the nature of hope, and he does that in Romans chapter 8, verse 24 through 25. For in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it, say it with me, patiently. Oh, there it is. If I had waited for the screen patiently, you would have seen it. We wait for it, say it with me, patiently. Patience is the proof of hope. I could close my Bible and be done with that statement. Patience is the proof that you are hoping in something worth hoping in. Impatience, frustration, 
tension, tension, anxiety, this check in the clock, we gotta go, we gotta make this happen, is sure proof that you don't have hope in the one who has given you the promise. Or you're not running after the promise, you're running after a God that you're trying to create in your own image. And unfortunately, the gods we create aren't that big. It's a certain kind of hope. When I say the word hope, you know, the light has come. He, he came to bring hope to all of the world. We conjure up all kinds of images of hope. I'm, it's a certain kind of hope I want to talk to you about today. Not this flimsy, whimsy, nancy, pansy hope of, I hope this new recipe works out all right. <sighs> or, well, I hope my kids get me something good for Christmas, right? Or, I hope my husband gets home from work on time. Or, I hope my kids get accepted into college. Or, I, I hope that I don't get let go. Or, I hope that my boss gives me a Christmas bonus. Or, I hope that I get a raise. Like, we have lots of hopes. That, that float around, and I get it. I want you to hope, don't stop hoping. Well, whoever sings that song, don't stop believing. I don't want you to stop hoping. I'm just saying, I'm not here to talk about that kind of hope today. If you want a self-help class, Oprah's on it too. <laughs> I'm here to talk to you today about a hope that can't be shaken by circumstance, a hope that doesn't shift and change over time. I want to talk to you today about a hope that I call Jesus. You know what? I believe that there are, there are seasons that I need hope more than other seasons, right? There, there are seasons where things are going good and bills are paid and food's in the fridge, not even food, organic food is in the fridge. Good food is in the fridge. I, and I, I've had days where it's the five pound pinto beans, you know, all the people who has been through it, amen. So in some days we need a different kind of hope, a little more hope, but there's some days where things are going good and we're not hoping for a lot. I've found seasons in my life that aren't fun, and I find myself somewhat hopeless, just trying to get the courage to have hope. You ever found yourself in a place you've been so defeated, so betrayed, so discouraged, so disheartened, that you're afraid to even hope again? I have found that in those seasons, the not fun seasons are most often the most fruitful seasons of my life. The seasons that we get the most out of are not necessarily the ones that we would have chosen to step into. The season where we need to hope the most in God, we didn't see coming. It's not like, hey, honey, in June, let's schedule 
uh, some time where we need to just really hope for Jesus to show up. Right? We don't, we don't ever hope for that. We don't plan for that kind of hope. We, we just plan for the little icing and cherry on top. Jesus, just bless us. Hashtag favor. You know? Uh, today, some of us in these seats are we're needing God to show up. We ain't just wanting God to show up to sing Kumbaya. We need God to show up. We need God to do something in this season. We, we are hoping for the impossible. Some of you need the impossible. It's time for you to start putting hope in the impossible because your God is the God of the impossible. You're already going to need the impossible. Whether you have the hope in him or not, you're still stuck in a position of needing the impossible. So while you're stuck there, why not just grab onto this thing called Jesus and hope in that which he can finish inside of this situation for you? I, someone asked me the other day, one of my kids Ask me, hey, Dad, if you could choose a superhero power, what would it be? Oh, man, I'm all over that. As a four, yeah. Yeah. Any fours in the house? Several, yes. Well, we, we dreamed about superhero powers. We can leverage all of them very well. And, but I did tell them, I said, I think the, the number one superhero power that I would want is to fly. To fly and not crash and burn or die. That would be my superpower because then I could, I could go to Australia, see my grandbaby, and sleep in my own bed at night. That'd be great. Then I could sleep in. I could get to 9.30 service at 9.30 and wake up at 9.29. Bam. I could live anywhere in the world with the most awful traffic that I want to and not be affected because I can fly. So Austin would be cool. Like Austin, it's all right. It's all right. So one of them said, I, I would want to be able to read people's minds. I said, no, you don't. No. No, because I can't read minds, but just based on what the people around me tell me they're thinking, I can't handle that. I have, I have too much of that. <laughs> that would be like being stuck in Facebook all day in real life. <laughs> you know what everyone's thinking, all of their stupid idiot thoughts are there in your mind and you can't push it out. It's called Facebook phobia mania stuff. No, you don't, son, you don't, you don't wanna be able to read minds. And someone else said, I don't wanna be able to like tell the future and no lottery numbers. I'm like, well, that'd be cool. <laughs> but then I started thinking, I don't wanna know the future. I don't, I don't want to even, I mean, my son Tristan, he's probably the one that said this. He has to know, hey, we wake up in the morning. We wake up, like, I wake up really early now, and then my boys wake up six or seven. Tristan's first question, hey, Dad, what's for lunch? <laughs> Have you had breakfast? <laughs> no. Why are you asking lunch? I know what I'm having for breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> I tell him what's for lunch, what's for dinner? <laughs> I don't know, Tristan. What are we doing tomorrow? I don't know. Are we going anywhere on New Year's? I don't know, Tristan. I don't even know what I'm wearing today. 
He has to know the future nonstop. Drives me crazy. Listen, you can't tell me what's about to happen tomorrow. Because if you tell me what my life looks like tomorrow, I won't willingly go there. I have been, my life is awesome. And thank God I've got a wonderful wife and family that no matter what valley I've walked through, they've been there with me. They've stuck through it with me and all, all of that jazz. But if I had a roadmap of the valleys I was going to be going through in my life, I would just tell my wife, we're going to a deserted island and we are going to forbid this from ever happening to us. Don't tell me what's happening. In the, it's like the superhero power. What? <laughs> See, those of you that moan think I was just doing a Pentecostal thing. Those of you that laugh know I'm Dr. Strange. Dr. Strange, who still is kind of satanic, I think. It feels very satanic. He's like, and he's calculating every potential outcome from like where he's currently at to he has all of these options. And then from there, he has all of these options. And from there, all of these options. It's like this infinite amount of things. That, while he's a, he calculates and then he's just like, choose option three or whatever, 1,500 million. I, I, I can't do that because then my life would be awful. It's awful things in my life that produce such good fruit. I wouldn't walk up to that tree willingly, but you take those trees out of my garden and I don't produce the fruit that God already foresaw when he created things for me to do on earth. He already knew who I was going to become, the things I was going to do, the mistakes I was going to make, the addictions I was going to slip into, the recovery that I was going to find, the people I was going to be around, the, the sins that I would overcome, the authority that I would step into. He knew all of that when he chose me. It didn't disqualify me, so I can't push away from the table of it. This Christmas season, the light has come. But what we can't just focus on is who. Who? Jesus. Thank God he sent his son, his only son, that loved us so much to lay down his life so that you and I could be in relationship. But it's not just about the who. It's about the why, but it's not only about the why, this eternal relationship that we step into and we have access to. Oh, by the way, did you know that salvation is, is not a someday everything is, is going to be washed away and I get to just spend eternity in heaven? Like, it's not an escape plan from earth. It's okay, I'm saved. Oh, Jesus, come quickly. Jesus, just come quickly. I, people I love say that a lot. And I'm like, would you stop? I'm not ready for him to come. I will be a granddad. Stop it. This world is so awful. Well, then do something about it. That's what the church is for. The church is not here to get saved and then beg Jesus to come back so that we don't have issues and we're not 
world changers and change agents and revivalists. You know what? When you get to heaven, you will never again have the opportunity to introduce someone to Jesus Christ. Never. But it's not just about the what, the who, the why. It's about the how. How? How did Jesus come from here to here? There, there's significance in that because that is the process of redemption. The how. And whatever the how looks like in Jesus, hey, that's a, that's a clue and a key to the how in your redemptive situation, in the waiting that you are currently in. So what was it like for Jesus? Well, number one, it was hard. So in your life, it may be hard. This process, this waiting, it may be hard. Can you just give yourself permission right now to sweat a little in life. To be like, man, I don't think, I don't think I really like this. This is hard. Anything established and delivered from heaven to earth is built on a hard foundation. Just imagine Mary, this young girl who finds out that she's going to give birth to a baby, but not just any baby. She's going to give birth to the Savior of the world. But not only that, she's not going to have sex to get the baby. She's going to remain a virgin. She's not even married, so she can't even blame Joseph as the baby daddy. How hard was that for Mary to walk around nine months pregnant and people say, what happened to her? I know what she been doing. No, 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 no. Listen, you don't get it. I didn't do anything wrong. I, I, I love Yeshua. I, I didn't do anything wrong. I'm carrying his baby. You, you're carrying what? Who's the daddy? God. Oh, she done lost her mind. Crazy. Can you, she was ridiculed, not revered. That was hard. That was hard. You know who I feel bad for, though? Joseph. Joseph, can you imagine walking around with your wife who is pregnant and you're not the daddy? And you know who is the daddy? They're like, hey, Joseph, that ain't you. That, you she's a virgin? Yeah. Well, who... Oh yeah, no, that's that's not my baby. That's um, uh, that that's God's. What do you mean? Yeah, God got my wife or my future wife pregnant, and that was hard. I mean, come on, this is the King of the King, King of Kings, Lord of Lords. Right? The, the highest of all coming to earth, the one that, that's the hope giver. And God didn't even make a way for him to have a, a hospital to be born in. Like there was no call ahead for an Airbnb. No Uber to get there. They used, they used a donkey to get there and then they stayed in a cave. 
a cave with hay and animals. The king of kings, lord of lords, stayed in a cave. That's hard. But great things can be hard. Some of you need to hear this this morning. Just because it's hard doesn't mean that God is punishing you. Hear me. It may be hard, but that doesn't mean that it's not God. It may be hard, but that doesn't mean you made a mistake. It may be hard, but, but that doesn't mean that the will of God is not actively running after you right now in this moment. Never judge God's hand on the level of hardness. Look at Moses. God called him to deliver his people out of bondage from Egypt. Moses goes to Pharaoh. This guy, he can't even talk. He is, uh, you know, he, he, he keeps stuttering. And God calls the stutterer to deliver a word to Pharaoh. He goes to Pharaoh. He says, Pharaoh, God says, let my people go. What does Pharaoh say? A big fat no. If it had been easy, he would have said, oh, well, God told you that. Okay, we'll take them all here. And, and while we're at it, take a few cows and a few goats and here's some milk and butter and we'll set you up with someone down the road. But he said no. Because the calling of God will generally face some resistance. So Moses goes away, goes back. Hey, Pharaoh, God really wants his people to be set free. He wants them to be released. Pharaoh says no. So what happens? Plague after plague after plague after plague. Finally, Pharaoh says, all right, take them. Just get them. Go. Once they're gone, Pharaoh changes his mind. He, he says, go get them. And he's chasing Moses and the Israelites. And they come up to this body of water known as the Red Sea. Now, the normal thing would have been for God to send them around the body of water. But God didn't want to do the normal thing. He wanted to do the hard thing. So he splits the sea and allows them to walk through on dry ground to bring them to deliverance. Listen, hope is built on hard things. But not only is it hard, Romans chapter 8, verse 24. For in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? Point number two, it may be hard, but it also, it may be hidden. It may be hidden. <laughs> it may be hidden. Now we know what Isaiah is talking about in 11 verse 1. 11 verse 1, a shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse, but from his roots a branch will bear fruit. What was hidden from the stump? The roots. It was from the hidden things that life was able to come. Last year, Carrie and I were given some banana trees. We love, I, love, I 
love banana trees. Um, and so I've been asking her for banana trees for a while. And our neighbor gave, her, gave us some, and she said yes if I would put them in and dig the hole. And I was all excited until I saw how big the hole was that I had to dig. And we put them in. They looked dead. And, you know, the season had started, and they weren't growing. And we, I was pretty sure I did all of that work for nothing. And Carrie, who is the gardener, says, just hold on, Trey. Just wait. Let's just wait it out. Let's see what they do. And in the spring, we started seeing these little bright green leaves pop up from the ground. Not, not near the stump. The stump still looked dead. But in four or five places on the perimeter, I don't know, about six inches away from the stump, these shootings started to pop up. A year later, we now have four full-size banana trees surrounding what we thought was the dead stump. Because what happens is when a dead stump or a stump sends out a shoot, it sends with it all of the benefits and the DNA and the life of what the stump did contain. It doesn't send with it the disease. It doesn't send with it the, the thing that killed it because of the cold weather. It sends with it life. And so it may be hidden. The thing that God has placed deep in your heart, that, that hope, some of us need to grab all the words we're saying to everybody. You're running to everybody for solutions. I got to tell you this morning, all of these people with all of their grandiose opinions are not your solution. You want to know what your solution is? His name is Jesus. He is the hope giver in everything that you are going through. Some of us need to take a fast from Facebook and Instagram and Twitter because we are empowering the work of the enemy by partnering what he set into motion in our life. Oh my God, everybody, this is happening to me and this is happening and this is happening. That's great. Keep giving the enemy more power. I just want, I just want to be real. Let the world know what I'm feeling. The world cares about your feelings, but let me just tell you, God is not moved by your feelings. He is moved by your faith. I'm known around the house as the finder. When something is missing, they come to me and they say, hey, dad, will you find this? And I'll, I will find it. Whatever, it is, whatever they have lost, my kids have lost so many things, and they come to me and, dad, I can't find this. Will you find it? And I find it. I'm the finder. Why am I the finder? Because I keep looking until I find it. But I use a verse that I pray often, and I, I, will say, I will say, the hidden things will be revealed in Jesus' name. God, where's that $20 bill? <laughs> the hidden things will be revealed. I'm serious. I will, Carrie and I both, like we, we just declare it. The hidden things will be revealed. Years ago, many of you know this story, but years ago, my Aggie ring, which I'm not wearing because I'm wearing a few extra layers of fat on my finger, so it doesn't fit. Um, but I lost my Aggie ring in Galveston Ocean. Carrie and I were goofing off, and when I went to splash her, the ring came off my finger because salt apparently makes you shrink. Is that true? And, and the ring came flying off my finger, and it was in the ocean. And you're not going to find a ring in Galveston Ocean. I was looking. I was, I was 
you know, taking air, trying to feel the waves are hitting me and I'm looking for the ring and I'm, I was just sick because I had just gotten the ring. I had just qualified for it with my GPA. I didn't have the money for a ring. I had small kids. My parents bought me the ring because I was so broke. And the ring is gone. And I'm just heart sick. And all the way back to College Station, I'm just feeling defeated. And we, we make a decision. We're going to pray and ask God to bring it back. But I said, Lord, I just ask, I mean, I'll take it anytime, but I ask that you bring it back within three months because in three months is the next round of ordering and I can order a new Aggie ring. And, and if I don't order it in that three month point, I may not qualify based on the classes I was taking for the next round. So like I need to get the ring in three months. And I prayed and at work, I'd be walking through the hall. I worked at Covenant Family Church and they, did you find your ring? No, but it's coming. As people would see me at the store. Hey, did you find your ring? No, but it's coming. That was my response. No, but it's coming. It wasn't. No, and I'm heart sick. Oh my God, what am I going to do? I think I'm going to have to order a new ring. Oh my God, I don't have $500. Oh my God, someone is going to get my ring and they're going to pawn it. I didn't do any of that. Did you find a ring? No, but it's coming, Luis. It's coming. I know it's coming. Because the hidden things will be revealed. I was praying that over my ring nonstop. Would you know? Two and a half months later, two weeks before the cutoff that I had asked God to return it, I get a call from Texas A&M University. And they say that they had found my ring, a professional treasure hunter from England, was in Galveston. And he was searching for treasure. And he found my ring in the ocean. And he returned it to A&M because my name was on the inside. The hidden things will be revealed. A lot of us use that when, when people think people being sneaky. That's okay. The hidden things will be revealed. It's going to come to light, which is true. All of you kids who are trying to do stuff your parents don't know about, we say that to our kids. God knows and it will come out. Hey, I'm saying that from experience. It will come out. You think you got it all wrapped up into a little secret? That bow and package is coming undone. It will come out. But guess what else? It's not just the bad things that get revealed. The good things that we have placed into our heart, that hope that you have, uh, the, the word says, hope has become an anchor to our soul. Those things that we allow to become hidden deep down inside of us that lead us where we need to go. Those things in the moments when we need them most become revealed and become on display for the world to see. And my final point, it may be long like this sermon, you knew the name long before the name tag could ever be written. It may be hard, it may be hidden, it may be long, but let me leave you with this thought. God's way plus God's timing equals God's glory. Let us pray. Father, I ask that for those of us who are in the waiting and we have lost hope, it seems, God, that we would understand that 
The hardness we feel doesn't disqualify us from a miracle. Rather, it sets the stage for one. The fact that we don't see you working, the fact that we don't even feel your presence in the situation is not an indicator that you are not on it. You have purposely buried our faith under our feelings so that we have to get over ourselves to get to who you truly are. God, there are many in this room who have been waiting so long for breakthrough, waiting so long for that revelation, for that reconciliation, for that financial breakthrough. God, for that, that situation, that healing. God, we just thank you that hope is alive. Hope is alive. And his name is Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.